Welcome to Harmony Christian Church Podcast. For more information about us, visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org. And wasn't that last song amazing? Uh, I mean, all, all morning I just couldn't help but apply every one of those songs to Sherry. But I also wanted to apply them to myself. And I know whenever, we're, whenever I'm worshiping, I try to really concentrate on the Lord. But I just had a hard time not opening one eye and watching Carly. Because that was such a blessing to watch. Not only to hear and experience that song. But also just to watch her and the presence of the Lord that was on her. And so you keep it up, girl. Yeah. And you too, Paul. Yeah. And, and all the rest of you. Yeah. All right, well, here's what I want to know this morning. I want to know who it is this morning that has changed my message. I had a message all lined out. In fact, it was the message that I gave up at Jones three weeks ago. It was a cute little message. It was about the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years. And it was about the centurion that uh, his daughter had died. And um, I was going, I thought, well... Man, Jones Chapel needed, needed to hear that word. But man, Harmony needs to hear that word too. I'm just going to share that again. And as I progressed through the week, I never looked at that message, those message notes once. I, the Lord just would not let me go there. So who is it this morning that needed to hear something different? I'm blaming this on you. So anyway, we're going to talk, we're going to, we're going to talk about a, a very familiar story this morning in John chapter 6. And uh, it's about... The feeding of the 5,000. But before we get there, have anybody, of, any of you noticed that it's a negative world? Uh, it's a negative world. The media is negative. Politics is negative. Most, if not, uh, not, <laughs> not all, but many people are negative. The world's negative. I, you maybe have heard me give this statistic before. And this is a real statistic. When you have a 50-50 chance, you will be wrong 80% of the time. That is a true statistic. Try it out sometimes. And if you don't believe me, just watch a little infant put their shoes on. 80% of the time is wrong, right? Okay. Why is it when babies are born? They don't come out laughing. You would think that they would get out of there and they would be rejoicing for being released from that nine-month prison. <laughs> you would think that the doctor would be shaking their hand and it would be a joyous laughing time for that baby. But no, the doctor picks the baby up and smacks it a good one and makes it cry. It's a negative world. Whack that little baby and say, welcome, earthling. One of the greatest jokes, I think, of all time, Rodney Dangerfield. How many of you remember Rodney Dangerfield? I get no respect. One time he said, I get no respect. He said, whenever I was born, the doctor said I was so ugly, he slapped my mother. <laughs> I think that's the greatest joke ever told. <clears throat> It's a negative world, isn't it? It's a negative world. And it's a negative world because it's a fallen world. 
COVID, riots, wildfires, political unrest, disruption of schools and work, murders, child sex trafficking. There's some extremely sad and concerning things that are going on, but it's a negative world because it's a fallen world. But you know what? There is absolutely nothing negative about the kingdom of God. So we're going to discuss some of those things this morning. The Bible records some interesting things in John chapter 6. So let's begin to look there. We're going to start in verse 1. And it says this. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near, and Jesus sat down. He looked out and saw the massive crowds of people scrambling up the hill, for they wanted to be near him. So he turned to Philip and said, where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Now Jesus already knew what he was about to do, but he said this to stretch Philip's faith. Now, more than talking about the actual miracle itself this morning, I want to talk about some other of these little side notes. Jesus asks a question. Have you ever noticed how many times Jesus asked questions? In fact, it's recorded 307 times where Jesus asked someone or a group of people a question. And was it because he needed the answer? He didn't know what the answer was? Obviously, no. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to stimulate our thinking. He wanted us to begin to think about the situation. But not only to just think about it, but he wants to provoke us to begin to operate rather than just thinking through our brain, but begin to think through your spirit. And so the Lord is going to constantly confronts you he's going to ask you questions that are going to cause you to have to get beyond yourself and especially get beyond this physical realm and begin to look at things from the spiritual realm because everything that is seen is really controlled by the unseen All the problems and situations that you and I face here on earth, we wrestle not against this flesh and blood. Amen? And how do we battle all of those things that we are against here in this physical realm? We battle it in the spirit. We wrestle not against flesh and blood but and principalities and the rulers of wickedness in high places. But we battle those things according to the Spirit. Hallelujah. Isaiah 1.18. It says, come, let us reason together. It's like asking a question. Does Jesus ask us questions because he doesn't know the answer? Come, let us reason together. Does that mean that God is inviting us into a situation where, hey, maybe if I show him my reasons for doing this or that, I will convince him of why it should be the way that I think that it should. No, he says, come, let us reason together so that you will eventually talk your way through this situation and begin to see how I want things done. Too many times we're just too impatient to 
take the time to come and reason together. Here's an example of how that works. Luke 18, it says this. Good teacher, what must I do to be saved? You remember whenever the guy come to Jesus and asked, what must I do to be saved? He answered the question with the question. He says, why do you call me good? None is good but God. He answers the question with the question. What was he getting at? Good teacher, what must I do to be saved? And he says, why do you call me good? He is causing the man to begin to think. To begin to figure this thing out. Well, now wait a minute. I know what you're saying is true. God is good. He's the, oh, you're saying he's the only one that's good. But I've seen you operate, Jesus. I know that you are good. Oh, wait a minute. That can only mean one thing. You are God. And that's what he wants to do with us in every situation. He wants to get us to begin to think and begin to think in the spirit instead of just re uh, thinking here in the physical realm. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Jesus many times makes his point. He teaches and instructs and challenges our faith first by asking a question as he does Philip. Verse 5. Where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? And Philip makes the same mistake that 99% of us make. He tried to answer that question. The problem that they were facing in the physical realm. And he says, oh, well, man, it, I don't know. It's going to take a bunch of money just to give each person a little sample. He tries to operate from the physical realm. But God is trying to get him, the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, is trying to get him to begin to think about this thing spiritually. Here's how Philip should have replied. He should have replied Philip, what are we going to do about feeding these people? Now, wait a minute here. Think with me as Philip should have been thinking. Here, Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, the one who has created the heavens and the earth, the one who is all-powerful, He's asking me, a mortal man, how to solve this problem. Hmm. I see, Jesus, you're up to something. You're trying to get me to figure this thing out in the spirit realm rather than in the physical realm. When will we begin to solve our problems from the spirit realm instead of the physical? How long are you going to keep arguing and fussing and fighting in that situation that you're in instead of beginning to operate from the Spirit? How long are we going to worry and fret over COVID and over financial situations and over wars and rumors of wars in the physical realm whenever they're only going to be solved in the spirit. 
Philip, a mere man. He's thinking, you know what? I'm about to get a faith lesson. And you know what? This is fertile ground for a miracle. Anytime you get in a situation that you feel a question coming to you from the Holy Spirit, you know that you're in fertile ground for a miracle. He's going to teach you faith, and he's going to show you something that maybe you've never seen before, and it can miraculously take place. And don't you notice in, in the Scripture, <clears throat> verse 5, he says, Where will we buy enough food? He didn't say, Philip, where are you and the disciples going to go and find? He said, where will we and Philip ought to be saying, Jesus, I don't know, but I do know one thing. I know you're king of kings and you're lord of lords, and I know that you know. And I'm sure glad you said we because I don't want to do this by myself. So how are we going to do this? That's a great question. How are we going to do this? How are you and the Lord going to solve the problems that are in your life? Pastor Josh and Amber could be saying, how am I going to lead this church through all the craziness of the world that's going on right now? But it's a great thing to say, Lord, how are we going to lead harmony through all of this crazy stuff? Amen? <clears throat> Cameron and Holly, same with you. You can be saying, well, how are we going to lead and bring young people. How are we going to bring young people into the kingdom whenever this generation of young people has less desire for the things of God than any generation in the history of the world? Do you realize that? Do you know they are saying there's only 2% of this younger generation who has any understanding or any desire for the kingdom of God? 2%. That's two in 100. Now you guys can say, how are we, the two of you, going to do this? Or you can do what's better. How are we? He's always asking questions. I am concerned that many times we never hear the question. We don't take time enough to slow down and hear the question. As Pastor Josh has told us on numerous Sunday mornings, get into that quiet place. Go into the, to the, to your closet. Seek after him. Find out what he's doing. How many times are we trying to get God's blessing on what we're doing instead of us entering into what he's doing and knowing that that's already going to be blessed? Well, Lord, I need the leading of your Holy Spirit. A lot of things I don't know. A lot of things I don't understand. But one thing I do know. I know my God. And I know that since you've asked a question, you're up to a miracle. I believe it. Hallelujah. 
I know your word says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let me ask you this question, Lord. How are we going to do this? We're not done with interesting things that Jesus says here in this text. In verse 6, he says, Now Jesus already knew what he was about to do. But he said this to stretch Philip's faith. This verse has just spoken to me all week long. God knew you before the foundations of the earth. Romans 8, 29, Ephesians 1, 4. He knew you before you was in your mother's womb. Jeremiah 1, 5, Isaiah 44, 24, Psalm 71, 6, and Psalm 139, 13 through 16. Jeremiah 29, 11. How many of you can quote Jeremiah 29, 11? Raise your hand if you can quote that verse. Several of you. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Do you know by all of that that God already knows what he's going to do? So in your situation, I don't know what it is, but whatever it might be, and I tell you there's some tough situations out there. We met with a couple this week with a tough, tough situation. There's some easy situations and there's some tough, tough situations. And let me tell you, whether it's easy or whether it's hard, you need the Holy Spirit involved. And so, in that, you make sure you're getting the Holy Spirit involved in it and know that He has planned for you all along. You didn't come along as a surprise. He knows who you are before you was ever born. He knew you, and he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you and to give you a hope and a future. Hallelujah. And you can shake your finger in the face of the devil and say, I am known by God. Hallelujah. And he will bring about good and mighty things. He's a good, good God. So God already knows what he's about to do. In your situation, he already knows how he's going to handle it. So would you please quit worrying about it? How about we just ask him? We need to learn to ask smart questions instead of making dumb statements. You hear some dumb statements sometimes. And you know what? Facebook and Twitter has given a lot of people a platform to make a lot of statements. But you see very few good questions. And we need to quit making dumb remarks. You know what a dumb remark is? A dumb remark is any remark that we make as if it were fact that is contradictory to the word of God. That's a dumb statement. I know dumb seems harsh, but you know what? That's dumb. <laughs> okay. Let me find my place. Now, Jesus already knew what he was about to do, but he said this to stretch Philip's faith. In one place, it says he did this to test his faith. You have a challenge in life. It's a test. Having difficulty with a co-worker or a teammate. It's a test. And he's stretching your faith. Do you run out of money before you run out of week? It's a test. 
Your kids are difficult and you don't know what to do with them. In fact, you might even be concerned about their salvation. It's a test. Say with me. Life is a test. Let's say it again. Life is a test. Amen. Life is a test. Praise the Lord. But how many of you know with Jesus Christ, we can do all things. And with Jesus Christ, we are victors.